Welcome to the Dare to Multiply podcast. On this podcast, we help passionate Jesus followers become courageous, obedient disciples who impact their communities for the kingdom of God. I'm your host, Cynthia Anderson, a disciple multiplication coach and trainer. I'm going to show you how to make and multiply disciples in your area. God's got great things ahead for you. Let's dare to multiply. How do we maintain unity of the spirit with other churches that think differently than we do as disciple multiplication practitioners, those who are launching disciple making movements? Many times there's a bit of a conflict between the methodology, the approach that we're using and traditional church approaches. And some people have even accused those who are DMM practitioners of saying we create disunity or controversy with the local church rather than being those who pursue unity. Unity is such an important thing. And today I'm talking with Lee Wood, who's from the movement that started in Tampa. He's now in Fort Myers. Florida and he's working to start a movement there as well and it's just amazing Lee's heart for unity with the body of Christ and some of the creative things that he's done to see unity come about and collaborative efforts with the local body of Christ while still holding true to his pursuit of a disciple making movement and of the multiplication of disciples so you're going to enjoy this interview and we'll be back with it in just a moment. Are you busy but not seeing the fruit you long for? Dissatisfied with your present level of impact on those around you? Or frustrated with traditional methods of discipleship that don't seem to be effective? If so, the Getting Started in Disciple-Making Movements course may be just what you need. Inside the Getting Started program, you'll get access to a step-by-step proven approach to making and multiplying disciples. Not only will you receive 25 short and practical video teachings spread out over six modules, but you'll have a chance to connect with others for group coaching via our monthly Zoom calls. And even more importantly, you'll become part of a global community of like-minded people from all over the world who are passionately committed to following Jesus and impacting others around them. If you want to get unstuck and begin moving forward as a disciple who makes disciples, I encourage you to go to courses.dmmsfrontiermissions.com and sign up for this powerful program today. And now to today's episode. Most people who are listening to this know who I am, but tell us a little bit more about who you are. Sure, it's great to be with you. Um, my name's Lee Wood, and um, I'll try to practice lucid brevity so that you can both understand it and it's brief. So that might be effective communication. So my first childhood memory was my dad dropping me off at the orphanage. Um, my mom had died as a result of a house fire and I didn't have anybody that wanted to take me in. So I was three or four, dropped off there, abandoned, grew up in the orphanage till I was about fourth grade. And my dad remarries and um, I become part of a blended family. And um, dad's still not present, never really uh, knew him. Um, his job necessitated him being gone. But I had a stepbrother that was seven or eight years older than me. And I wanted to belong so badly to a family that I followed his example. And I began to do um, um, drink and do drugs when I was just in sixth grade. Um, all pretty dysfunctional family. 
um, with a stepmother, found myself homeless at 16. So abandoned, alone, addicted at 16. Um, I would couch surf, sleep under a bridge, knows what, know what it is to be um, homeless. My life really continued that way till I was 23 when I had a job. And on that job, I had a, a, a guy um, that shared with me that Jesus loves me, shared the gospel, never had heard about the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus before. Um, I treated the guy horribly. He was small, diminutive. He would pray over his Bible, pray over his meals, read his Bible, and tell me that Jesus loves me. So I treated him really harshly. I'd get drunk, make fun of him, get high, blow smoke in his face. He left that job on the 5th of October, 1982. And he gave me a Gideon's New Testament and said, from your best friend. And it had mm. some verses in there. I told the guy, I hate you. I hope I never see you again. I'm <laughs> glad that you're leaving. Six, seven, eight months later, I don't know the date, but I know the date that he gave it to me because I still have that Gideon's New Testament to this day. I'm doing drugs. I have a bad reaction. I think I'm dying. And I think about the Jesus that he told me about. And mm. I couldn't spell repentance. I got down on my knees and I cried out to Jesus. And I said, help me, I can't. And then I began to read um, the word of God. And I realized the natural man receives not the things that are spirit of God. They're foolishness to him. Neither can he understand them being spiritually discerned. It had Psalms and Proverbs in it. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. I realized that God speaks to me that uh, mm. John chapter 10, my, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My father which gave them me is greater than all and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. I read Philippians 4.13 and I immediately knew how to apply the word of God. I cannot do cocaine through Christ which strengthens me. I cannot watch <laughs> pornography through Christ which strengthens me. I can read the Bible through Jesus which strengthens me. I can pray through Jesus. I was like, this is amazing. Wow. My entire life changed and I haven't ever gotten over Jesus. I was 23 then and I'm 63 now and I'm not ever going to get over Jesus. Fast forward to DMM, CPM. There was always a gap for me between what I read in the New Testament. After I came to, had came to faith, there was no church. There was no preacher. There was just that guy had shared that with me, the gospel, the power of God and the salvation. And I got Jesus and but that gap that always existed, I, it was always hard for me to put together like how I read the New Testament and what the what church actually looked like. So fast forward, I was married. I was married for 23 years, five children. I lost my first wife to pancreatic cancer at 45. And in the providence of God, the guy that um, exposed me, I had the why John chapter 17, which is what this podcast is about is Jesus prays three times ostensibly for the same thing. First, he tells what life eternal is in John 17, three. This is life eternal to know the one true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. Intimacy, oneness with Jesus and the Father. Then he prays for the 11 that they might be one. Why? That the world might know the Father mm -hmm. has sent the Son. So his heart is for all people everywhere. Then he prays generationally for all that will ever believe because of them that they might be what? One. Why? That the world might know the Father has sent the Son. He prays a third time for us. He's praying that everyone everywhere might dwell together in perfect unity. Why? 
that the world might know the father mm. sent the son. So I had the why, but not the how. In the providence of God, I met Curtis Sargent and, and went to the, I was the first group of people he trained from his home and love, make disciples who make disciples. I never had the how. Love God, love others, make disciples who make disciples. So God had given me a second help me and Stacy and I began to obey that from um, our home simply as image bearers and to put into practice um, finding persons of peace, passing on to others what had been passed on to us. And Philemon says that the communication of your faith may become effectual by acknowledging every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus. So all fruit, nobody produces fruit. We bear fruit um, and Jesus is the one that gives the increase. But I believe um, um, most um, effectively in a biblical paradigm, house to house, city to city, region to region, nation to nation, in love and unity as disciples and churches with one another. So that's a thumb. Now, I don't know how, how much I practice lucid brevity, but that's sort of my story and connecting the dots of DMM to it. That's pretty good. I, I think you kept it pretty brief. That was great um, brevity. And uh, But wow, what a story, Lee. Thank you so much for sharing with us about that. And just a couple of things that I sort of want to put an exclamation point on that I heard in your story, um, in your story of how God brought you into his, his family and into community. Um, just this, this guy who saw you, loved on you, in spite of what you did to him, kept loving on you, <laughs> and, and then gave you the word of God and the power of that written word being passed to someone, even if they're rejecting it. And in the right time, God brought that back to you. And, um, you know, it just gives me such encouragement as, you know, those of the, those that we're training are talking Amen. to people, sometimes giving them a Bible. Maybe some of you who are listening, you know, you've given someone a Bible and they didn't show much interest. You don't know if they've ever even cracked it, but the power of the written word to come back into someone's life like that. I love that part of your story. And then um, when you cried out to God, you just said, help me, <laughs> help me, God, here I am, help me. And he came and then recognizing at that moment that he speaks to me and just, you were a brand new believer, barely a believer, but God was speaking to you and just the power of God to speak to us and to speak to the lost, the power of God to speak to unbelievers, to speak to brand new believers and um, so many, so many times I think we think it has to be somebody who's been professionally trained or has lots of knowledge to be able to hear from God, but God speaks. He loves to speak to the, the unbeliever, the unsaved. He loves to speak to those who are brand new in faith and your story, story so well, um, demonstrates that. So, yeah. And then the gap, you begin to see this gap between the new Testament, what you were reading and what you saw being lived out in the churches around you and um, this gap that you were you were wrestling with and then God brought Curtis into your life um, <clears throat> someone to explain an, another option another way to function and uh, you guys started putting that into practice that's wonderful and yeah tell tell us a little bit more just about uh, where things are at today you you kind of started your journey you and your wife Stacy right yeah 
Yeah, you and, and Stacy, and you started putting that into practice. And where did it go from there? Just tell us a little bit more. I know you've got a long case study, which we're going to put in the show notes about what happened. But um, yeah, just in a few, again, brief moments, <laughs> give us a quick synopsis. What's happened? So, it, so in 10 years since that started, um, um, interestingly, the first person of peace that God gave to us was a um, demon-possessed woman, Amanda Dinan, um, that comes to faith. Um, she, her, her daughter comes to faith. Her 73-year-old Hindu mom comes to faith and mm. um, has amazingly um, borne fruit multiple um, generations, well beyond four generations, multiple streams, okay? It's like she's an amazing, faithful, and fruitful woman of God, but um, to connect that to my story, I had never seen that guy for 30 years, okay, Rod Friends that gave me that Bible, okay, mm-hmm. and um, she said, have you ever connected with that guy? I said, I tried, but I've, I haven't been able to. She found that guy 30 years later and wow. was able to connect us with one another, so first, um, so zero to one, one to two to, to him, but she found that guy somehow through social media and reconnect and reconnected us. And wow. um, that's been a great joy. So the guy that gave me that Bible in this instance actually realizes um, that his faithfulness uh, to share the gospel with somebody else has been able to pass that on um, two generations. So somebody give Jesus a hand, you know, praise God. Amen. So we are not orphans. Um, she's a, a Guyanese, a little bit Catholic, a little bit Hindu, and some guy from a job to decades to multiple generations over of how God used Rod friends and God used Curtis Sargent and God uses a redeemed orphan and a demon possessed woman, okay, to make disciples that make disciples across the United States, Africa, Central Asia, now catalyzing things among the deaf. So um, yeah, so what happened is we just felt made lots of mistakes. I think you'll share the book. It's taken me um, 10 years to learn eight things. So I wrote a little ebook before I include those seven things. But the one main thing I think we think in a Western context is we think we think process and systems and the main thing I think is number one is if we take care of the depth of our ministry, he takes care of the breadth. We bear fruit. It's intimacy. It's oneness with Jesus and the Father. It's essence before execution. Like Acts 1.8, you have to have a pawn before you have unto. After the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, unto the uttermost parts of the world. So all of those places are simultaneously but it's out of intimacy with Jesus and the Father. It's oneness that's the first pillar. So learning that took some time, Curtis pouring into us. I'd like to say that pouring deeply into the few who will obey. Curtis would come to Tampa and spend 30 to 45 days every summer for the first three years. Nobody does that, okay? But he's well (laughs) acquainted with who those disciples and who those churches are and saw the generational fruit. And he continued to pour into me and to see me go through what the training cycle and the disciples and churches go through that training cycle. So I think that's um, really what actually happens relationally with one another. And 
The other thing that I'd say um, is that we know we've passed from death to life because we love one another. Um, mm. We don't have to manufacture love for one another. It's there. But mm. by this shall all men know that we are his disciples and that we have love one for another. That intimacy of the essence of what um, the bride, the body, the church actually is, is one or another, is, is, that, is that love. And we have to have that. All the patterns and principles of DMM that we agree about, like um, it's those, we, we don't pursue method idolatry. It's not actually the training. It's about intimacy with God in one another is the thing that he wants to multiply the essence of that. So I think people actually confuse what movement, what movement actually is in many instances, mm, Indeed. Yep. I would so agree with that. And um, yeah, again, just to emphasize some of the things that you've said, you know, uh, what you just said, we don't, we don't emphasize methodology and we certainly shouldn't idolize it. And yeah. I know both you and I have seen people who get excited about DMM methods and they are, they're, they're energizing. They're incredible. When you're first exposed to them, it's just like, wow, how come I never heard about this before? This is so transformative, but then they get more committed to the method than yeah. they are to the message and to Jesus and to doing what God's called us to do, you know, love people and love God and, you know, bring his Amen. love and, you know, and we get so committed to the method. It's not about the method, though you and I both believe in the methodology of DMMs. We think it's good practice. We see its effectiveness, but it's not about the method. It's just about loving God and loving people Amen. and doing what, what, whatever works. You know, I told people a lot of times I would drop DMM in a heartbeat if it wasn't working to bring people to Jesus and make disciples, <laughs> you know, it's just the most effective thing I've found that that's working to do this rapidly among those who've never heard about him before. And, I think it's hearing it's that simple as is actually hearing and obeying. So we define like if we're supposed to make disciples who make disciples. Okay. Is it's hearing what he's saying, he gives to the spirit, the spirit reveals to us and we obey. And yeah. so hear, obey, spread is how simple it is. And the tools are just tools. Mm -hmm. They're exactly. just, like, they're just tools. The, the movement is the multiplication or the outcome of those things is basically from being by the grace of God the type disciples worth multiplying. So mm -hmm. I had a great compliment paid to me by a friend named Brian Sanders recently. And he read some kind of book. I can't remember the name of the book, but he said, um, demons were searching for um, Christians worth killing. And he said, um, Lee, um, when I think about you, you're a Christian worth killing. Mm. Praise God. Yeah. We want to be disciples worth multiplying. So, yep. yeah, so good and so so vital. It's it's not about how we do things, though the how is important, but it's really about who we are. Amen. And we multiply with who we are. <laughs> so, reproduce yeah. after your kind. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And there's, uh, Lee, as I talked to you, there's so many things I'd love to unpack further, but we promised people we were going to talk about unity and this question. So I want to go back to that for a few minutes, at least. And just, um, 
I noticed you guys, you know, have a heart for unity. Your your website is called One Body Church, and I know that's really a part of <laughs> a part of what is um, really on your heart and and a part of your passion is loving one another. And how does how does that sort of work practically with traditional churches and even sometimes pastors who maybe don't understand what we're trying to do? I know a lot of people who listen to um, my live streams and who take my courses, you know, they get attacked actually by pastors for just obeying the word of God, for doing things like baptizing people or doing things that, um, you know, they sometimes come under attack. It's, it's not easy. This road isn't easy, but how do we, how do we walk it in unity? How do we preserve unity of, of heart with the bride of Christ and, yeah, just talk about that a little bit and what you've learned about that. So through you're, the years. you're a great blessing because you've been doing, I've, I've been trying to follow Jesus in these ways for um, over a decade now, but I know um, you've been doing that for longer. So what I've discovered though, is those that compare themselves among themselves and measure themselves by themselves are not wise. So the reality is there just is one body. That the, the mob, the ecclesia that we are all a part of, that is his body, not an, or, not an organization, okay? That is the church. That is the global church, okay? And his prayer that everyone everywhere as his followers would be one that the world might know. There really is, whether we like it or not, we're all a part of his one body, everyone, mm -hmm. everywhere. And we are not in competition with one another. All models of churches, okay, prevailing models of churches, um, DMFs, or whatever models they are, are a part of that body. So from a city perspective is, and a regional perspective, you have, you have house churches, you have city churches, you have regional churches, the churches in Galatia, and you have the universal ecclesia. He wants all of those to basically dwell together in love and unity as disciples and churches that the world might know. So we just try to realize that gentle and apt to teach with all models of churches, with everyone everywhere. The eighth thing I've actually learned is we can collaborate with everyone everywhere at some level. At some level, we can collaborate. Like if we agree, like Jesus is Lord, okay? Amen but we cannot collaborate with everyone everywhere at every level. So it's understanding that we all make up this global body and at we, we are not in competition. Like there's no competition. Love one another with a pure heart fervently. So that posture of being gentle and apt to teach as those that are pursuing DMM, CPM, okay, is not, contrasting or positioning yourself as better than we're all just parts of that one body now what's happened in a western context because um you're not um in the united states and by the way i i started i catalyzed initial catalyst of one body church in tampa florida which is a network it's a church of churches across five or six counties now that has generations of disciples and churches and elders um, that are do, engaging in community transformation. Um, in a Western context, it's a model, but I went through there, I spent 10 years now, and I've actually moved to Fort Myers and I'm doing the same thing oh, okay. two hours south. And so we're doing exactly the same thing. So it's a regional expression. 
but I'm not calling it one body church here. It's L1A church at Fort Myers here, love one another. Okay. And we're doing that from our home as leaders. And then we actually have started a business, Catalyst Community Wellness, which is a business which is meant to model like a school of Tyrannus in a Western, in a Western context, but still a church of churches endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit so we all come to the unity of the spirit to the unity of the faith as the church across the city so it takes many churches to make one city church and that means that there will be dmm cpm models but also the prevailing model of church that we want to honor that we want to honor and i think that as we um do that with one another those models emerge and we overcome the inertia, which is the enemy who tries to basically divide at a marital level and he tries to divide us from one another. The enemy always seeks to lie and divide at every fractal level because it's through unity that the whole world might know the father has sent the son. So the enemy devices is to lie at every um, at at the smallest level to the greatest level, that's his mm. tactic to divide us because he knows that through our unity of the spirit and unity of the faith, that the whole world knows the Father has sent the Son, and we hasten the day of the Lord that way. Mm, so good. I, I love what you said about um, we can collaborate with everyone everywhere at some level, but we can't collaborate at every level. Nope. <laughs> I think that's such a key statement and something really important for us to take to heart that, um, yeah, there's always something. If you both love Jesus, if you both consider him to be your Lord and father, you can collaborate and you can appreciate and honor and express that um, in, in some kind of way. And you can certainly serve um, those who are your, your brethren and your, your sisters. Everybody can are. pray, Cindy. Everybody yeah. can pray. Absolutely. Like we, we, we can agree that we want the world to know that Jesus is Lord, that every, that every knee will bow and tongue confess that Jesus is Lord, so the glory of God the Father. Every follower of Jesus can agree about that. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm for you. So I'm for that. You know? mm, yeah. And, and everyone can agree that we want to reach the lost. We want to, we yeah. want to engage those who don't know Jesus. I mean, there, there would rarely be someone who would say, no, don't do that. <laughs> you know, people are, people are wanting to see that. So finding those, those places of commonality, common Amen. ground, you may have a different way of doing things, but you have the same same goal, same thing and emphasizing that. And, and then you also talked about honoring, um, finding ways to honor the existing yep. church, the, the, you know, maybe the predominant model around you, how can you honor them? How can you speak words of appreciation and honor towards them instead of criticism or, or tearing them down and everything you say, but yeah, maybe you can even give an example. You mentioned prayer. How, how have you practically looked for ways to I collaborate? Examples from Tampa. So in yeah. Tampa, the very worst area of Tampa used to be called um, um, basically suitcase city because nobody would live there. High crime rate, um, drugs, broken homes, okay? Um, and there's a, a brother there, Pastor Don Grantham, that's pastor of University Baptist Church for 30 years, okay? Mm. And um, basically, um, they had a building behind their main, their main building, okay? 
um, that nothing was being done with it. They gave that to us to start a gym in that building and said, um, yeah, and didn't charge us for it, okay, just like whatever electricity wow. is. And we worked together with, and then they, their, their, their space that they use, their building, it's empty during the day. They gave it to us to start a parent um, 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 directed um, um, education program. So we, mm. we took refugee students from the community and basically as a DMM CPM model, we took a disciple and she was our lead teacher and another, and we began to um, take refugees, refugee students and actually had a DMM CPM um, reaching the refugees in conjunction inside of the community as a little ecosystem of the kingdom, one body church and um, University Baptist Church. And then Tommy Colonin from Crossover Church, a hip hop church that's in the same basic community. There's a guy that's getting out of prison. He's only been out of prison seven months, like since he was 17, between 32. And we share a, a, a ministry apartment that we have with that guy and pour DMM and CPM into him. So you see um, Crossover Church, you see One Body Church, you see University Baptist Church, you see Tampa Underground, okay? Um, all of us as sort of an ecosystem of an expression of the ecclesia across the city. Then you see other churches, pastors that are open to like a blended model. So you see um, Oakwood Church and um, um, Seaglass Church with Darren, Darren Anderson and with um, David Oates actually saying, hey, we can actually do this stuff with one another in a Western mm -hmm. context without hierarchy, without command and control. And we can be an expression of that church um, mm -hmm. across the city in Hillsborough, Pinellas and Pasco counties. So I'm actually pretty excited about that because um, that took a decade to get to there though, okay? Mm -hmm. But it's, mm -hmm. in, it's in motion, it's working, it's an example, it's a model of a mm -hmm. church of churches, many churches to make one city church in Tampa. Mm -hmm. And we're working on the same thing in Fort Myers now, in Houston with M4 Network, with Channel Church in San Francisco, No Greater Love Church in Indianapolis, Indianapolis area, um, the church at RIT in Rochester. Um, so there are other, we're actually trying to do it city to city now, even in a Western context, not just as an outside catalyst into other, other nations. So pursuing that and being able to be salt and light where it is proclaimed and demonstrated house to house, city to city, region to region is that's what Jesus is doing. So that's my best mm -hmm. job at um, um, answering your question. I'm not sure I did. Yeah, no, I think it, that's great. It's so beautiful to hear about the model that, you know, by it, it's so obviously a work of the Lord, you know, and a work Amen. of the spirit <laughs> that he's brought, you know, through you, but um yeah, challenging. You know, I, I know many who are listening think, wow, that's incredible. I don't, I can't even imagine that happening here. You know, uh, how yeah. in the world could we get beyond the, the conflicts of our methods, not, you know, misunderstandings of the way that we do things to get yeah. to that point of unity. But I hear you talking about you know, building relationship, your humility, uh, your, you know, willingness to collaborate and cooperate on what you can, even if you can on some other things. 
um, whatever other kind of encouragement would you maybe give to someone who has experienced conflict or even rejection, you know, yeah. uh, from, you know, maybe they, they have been accused or said, you know, you, you shouldn't be doing, you can't be doing what you're doing. Um, and yeah, any advice for them or input? So that is a hundred percent. I might be a miserable comforter. Okay. But, um, it's going to happen. You're going to be lied about. You're going to be reviled. Okay. And, um, one of the seven things or eight things now is keep doing what you're doing. You will get better at it. He's faithful. Okay. He's mm. faithful. Um, and also it's always relational before it's organizational. You're not going to do it because you figure it out. Okay. You have to start with one disciple. Like there had to be an Amanda Dinan. Okay. Then there had to be a Damien Gurk. Okay. Okay. There had to be, so that's one completely from lostness. And then another one that was a believer that was dissatisfied, right? Jesus is going to give you a few and to not go wide, to go deep with the few and to realize that you start with one disciple and that we bear fruit. That's the other thing is like, um, there's always that tension. Yeah, God uses, God wants to use everybody, but that's what Paul said. Hey, who are we? We're like nobody. We're all just servants, okay? You're a servant. I'm a servant. We're all servants, mm. okay? Mm. We are all bearing fruit. It's not personal fruit. We don't own anybody. Nobody owns anybody in the kingdom. So I think some of that DMM stuff is like, is that it's all about the we. Jesus is king. Level playing field under that. Mm. So I want to speak encouragement into people where we tend to compare. We compare amount of fruit. This is not a quota driven deal. Okay. And mm -hmm. so I want to speak that into people that are like, uh, um, I think we actually contrast like gifted giftings, right? So we, we like call attention like the people that aren't apostolic, you know, like apostolic people, you know, are catalysts. They start stuff, they blow stuff up. Okay. But people that aren't apostolic, people that God puts together, um, apostles need to slow down enough, okay, to work with the shepherds and teachers because nothing's going to grow without them, man. And so mm. we bounce around everywhere and start stuff and create fires. So I'm speaking to people like myself out there. You got to take care of somewhere in your backyard and see the emergence of all the giftings, okay? So the actual city churches do emerge, okay? And that took mm. probably 23 years before Paul got to there, before the seven churches of Ephesus. And we think stuff happens fast in DMM and CPM and movement. And I'm not saying that some stuff doesn't, but you don't get to Ephesus and three years there in Ephesus that overall time from Tarsus to go to Antioch okay to go through three journeys and to spend three years there that was at least 22 to 25 years okay to see the emergence of the seven churches seven churches of Asia so that mm. perseverance like don't quit keep doing what you're doing you'll get better at it okay and don't compare yourselves among yourselves okay mm -hmm, we bear mm -hmm. fruit give jesus all give jesus all the glory nothing happens mm. without jesus everything mm. comes from god every perfect gift comes down from the father of lights with whom there's no shadow or variables of turning any fruit is because he gives the increase we're just mm. vessels man we're mm. parts of that so hopefully that can encourage some people
Yeah. Oh, that's, that's very encouraging. I think so many people, they hear about DMM and CPM. And of course they hear these glory stories of yeah, tens exactly. of thousands of believers and, you know, the, and, and it, it takes a lot of hard, serious work of investing in a few people and loving on people who have issues, right? <laughs> and and it's a lot of late nights and it's a lot of loving and meeting and praying and deliverance and you Amen. know working through issues with a few people until they become and you know are are being transformed by Jesus, not by us, but we're Amen. part of it. And um, they're being transformed into the kind of people who then begin to reproduce, like like the the people that you've described and. Um, yeah, it, it always is relational before it's organizational. I love that. And uh, so such a key statement. So very true. And we go deep before we go broad. God takes us broad um, and he'll do that. Actually, it's the depth that we're, it's the depth generationally of those kinds of disciples is where you get to um, movement. But yeah, I just and that's hard and it does take and it takes it takes time you know mm -hmm. my single biggest mistake cindy was like i didn't listen to curtis at first i i was successful um in business and i knew how to produce and you know curtis he was like not all that impressive you know uh, so, <laughs> so i thought i could help him you know like like man like you and you don't seem to have that much going on you know so um but he would so I started a bunch of groups. Like I knew how I knew people. I knew how to uh, to close. Okay, so I went, hey, ask, start these things, ask these questions and stuff. So I started a bunch of groups. I went really wide, and I taught other people how to start groups. But the commandment is to make disciples, not to start groups, man. Mm -hmm. And so going back, when I actually it got so painful. Prayer walking, I heard Jesus say to me. Um, do you trust me? Not to Peter, like he said, do you love me? Do you trust me? And I was like, you know, I trust you. And I was basically justifying, like, look at everything I'm doing. And then what flashed in front of my mind in like in a, in a moment of time was everything I was doing that he had never told me to do. And this isn't in any training. When I stopped doing all the things that he hadn't told me to do and only started doing the things that I knew that he was speaking to me about, something happened. And the mm -hmm. second thing that's not in any of the training either is I've been wounded deeply by somebody, okay? And I was angry. I was like, you know, open rebuke, you know, um, open rebuke is better than secret love. You know, am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth, you know? And so I carried, I did exactly what you talked about. And I was hurt from somebody from the prevailing model of church. When I actually obeyed Jesus and I said, you made me feel like this orphan guy and I don't need anything from you. Uh, I forgive you for all of that. Those are two defining moments of only doing what he said, what I see him doing or what he's saying and forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Those were two mm -hmm. powerful things that were used to catalyze movement, at least the, of, of disciples um, making disciples and seeing multiplication of both disciples and churches and those two things aren't in any they aren't in any of the training man mm, mm, yeah yeah and and yet so key so important yeah. and um yeah and i i think that's uh yeah what you just talked about 
only doing what he says to do. You know, in, in one of our trainings, we, we talk about a start and stop exercise. And I think, yeah, we often think of what we can stop in natural terms, but what a great question to go to that list with and saying, okay, I'm committed to stopping doing anything that yeah. God hasn't really told me to do. Um, not, you know, we do so many good things yeah. that aren't what he's saying to do right now. You know, maybe he's even said to do them in the past, but he's not saying this is what you need to do now. And so, so appreciate that. And then forgiveness. Yeah. And keeping our hearts clean before the Lord in this journey. And Amen. yeah, I think that's so so important and so such an important key for us as we you know, sometimes we wonder why aren't we seeing more fruit but God's still really working on us isn't he he's amen he's yeah. developing that character he's saying I'm not going to give you fruit until I see these things change and be transformed because I can't trust you with it you know with the humility and the love and the yeah. things that you need to give you that kind of fruit so so good well before we close Lee I just want to ask you to share I know you've already shared a about a couple of people, but I know you're really committed as well as I, as I am to community transformation. You talked yeah. about doing some stuff with refugees. Talk a little bit about that and maybe tell us a story of how God's worked through that, that passion for kingdom transformation, community uh, transformation to be part of your, your model of DMM. Yeah, so I think um, a lot of people would say, and you probably heard these people, like even like on the DMM side, is that oh, that's social justice. That's not DMM. Well, I'll tell a couple of stories of what that looks like to love. Like I think love, like I think Matthew twenty-five is part of the commandments of Jesus. As much you've done it, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was a prisoner, when I was homeless, you took me in. Um, we have to do all of those things um, with all of those people, right? And so I think I learned this from Curtis, but he has favorites, the least, the lost, the last. And you should go to places, the worst places, and you should stay there when you're welcomed. And you should do both Matthew 28 and Matthew, tw Matthew 25. So it's mm. easy to start stuff, but it's tough to grow stuff. So we have to have mm. both a growing strategy and a going strategy. So we begin to prayer walk um, in um, the University Mall area in Tampa and I uh, met a homeless guy um, that was reading a book and he's a sign tour where he wasn't working yet. And so I said, dude, what are you reading? He said, I'm reading Nietzsche, homeless guy. I'm like, mm. well, that's pretty cool. Um, Nietzsche thought like men at his apex was like at war. That's pretty crazy, dude. I said, I like reading Jesus. Dude goes, I like reading Jesus too. So he reaches into his backpack and takes out a Bible. And I said, that's pretty cool. You know, um, like um, in Matthew somewhere, he says the whole Bible, the whole Old Testament hangs on love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, hang all the law and the prophets, man. What do you like about that? Just sat down with a guy that's there. And that was the first discovery Bible study. He said, man, I think church ought to be more like this. He said, I, like, I was like, <laughs> and you're like, me, I agree. <laughs> me too. Me too. So we've stayed in that area since mm. then and gone through hell. Mm. But we haven't left because we were received. We were welcomed. Okay. Mm. And so now what's emerged out of there, not pristine, not perfect, but Jesus redeems four things. He redeems our relationship with him. 
ourselves, our neighbor, and with creation itself. And we want to see mm -hmm. his kingdom come on earth, demonstrated, proclaimed, and demonstrated. So there's a one-acre field there inside mm -hmm. that community that house churches purchased, okay, that we shared, okay, that there's been a garden there. There's been a lot of people come to faith. There's house churches in that community. There's people that um, are broken, and it's mm -hmm. predominantly, but we started um, saying, hey, what do we have? What do you have? Not what do you lack? Mm -hmm. So an mm -hmm. asset-based, not a needs-based um, community transformation approach mm -hmm. to those things. <clears throat> we stayed there. We haven't left. <clears throat> so that's like 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 22. That's eight years. <clears throat> and it's a, that field is a little bit of what redemption looks like actually on earth and those relationships that they're not as bad as they were okay that there were 22 nations in the apartment complex that we have some we have some apartments inside of there and that they give us an apartment there to actually have because they see the value of that inside of the community that took time mm. so what god has done there um, with people is the same thing that we're doing in Fort Myers now. We've left and we've taken people, um, the Beverly's, that we've started this gym business. <clears throat> we've taken people that have been delivered from addiction and that they've actually were employing people from inside of the community. And we've seen them come to faith and even follow Jesus in baptism in our horse mm -hmm. trough outside of our gym on Easter Sunday. So all mm -hmm. missions is, and I know that you'll say amen, is the same thing there as there. So what you've been doing for a long time, wherever there is for you, is we're doing the same thing there. But there are names like Romans 16 in there, okay? There's a Linda Tubah, okay, in Tampa, Florida, grandma of a movement. There's an Andre Dietrich. There's a Jay Fechtel. There's an Amanda Dynan in uh, Fort Myers. There's a Jesus uh, Martinez and a Kalon, okay? And there's a Jay and a Steph Beverly. And there's a Jamie, a guy that I'm pouring into now that's on work release from jail, okay? And he's going to mm -hmm. be a part of our house church that I shared the gospel with. He says, he says, yeah, he says, I'm, I, I, I'm in God's perfect design. Like, I, I'm a Christian. I'm not perfect. Like me either, Jamie. Let's do life together, okay? Like you can mm -hmm. work out at the gym, okay? We can have work on employment for you, okay? And we can see a disciple who's in love with Jesus that's a dad, okay? And we can see that from the prisoners. We can see that from addicted because the enemy comes to, to lie, steal, and kill, okay? And we're mm -hmm. going to rep Jesus and his mm -hmm. kingdom. And we're going to stay in those places, and we're going to grow that we have grown those things by the grace of God. And we're going to go to where it's not. And that's what the outside catalyst piece for us has looked like. That's where we bounced to Africa. We bounced to Central Asia. But what, what are they doing there? Those indigenous people is like, empower, like basically equipping them to do the same thing, to see the same thing there, to see the same things mm. there. But it involves both Matthew 28 and Matthew 25. Um, yep. So it is, I don't think you can do the great commandment without doing basically community transformation. So, mm -hmm. and then people that uh, I'll just like, I'm going to be appropriate. So the people that say that that's not movement, um, I don't think they're, do I don't think they're doing movement. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I absolutely agree. And um, yeah, I think it's, it's implicit in making disciples that they're going to love God, love their community 
loving Amen. people around them in practical ways. And uh, if we make disciples, that they're going to do that. That's it's a part of what what it means to be a disciple is to love the people around you. And uh, thank you for sharing that story about the homeless. I know I get asked questions about can DMMs happen among the homeless and. One of the keys that I heard you share is we need a going and a growing strategy. And we also, when we're welcome, we need to be willing to stay. 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 And, and, and it may be hard. hard. And you got to do the hard yards. That's the thing. It's like, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Okay. Don't quit. Keep doing what you're doing. You'll get better at yep. it. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much. As we wrap up, tell us how can we how can people connect with you and your resources? We're gonna put uh, the case study and the seven things in seven years ebook in our show notes. But how else can people connect with you and um, with the Catalyst Community Wellness or any other resources you'd like to share? Yeah, so you can get a hold of me through um, ccw.fit which is the business. That's great. Um, also, there's um, a stream agnostic website, loveoneanother.life. And um, I'm still very connected to Tampa. <laughs> to that, like, we don't abandon people, okay? Since I live mm -hmm. in Fort Myers, okay? So um, also, that's onebody.church, the number one body.church. Um, all of those are our websites. And um, yeah. Those are, are easy ways to connect um, with me. Happy to um, ha give you my email to share the to show notes as well as anybody. So um, we're about connecting, communicating, and collaborating in love and unity um, as disciples and churches, house to house, city to city, region to region, nation to nation, until the whole world knows Jesus. So Amen. amen amen yeah well wonderful to have you and why don't we just close in prayer i know we opened in prayer before we hit record here but um would you pray a prayer over those who are listening just that god would really anoint them especially Absolutely. in this area of unity That'd yeah be awesome. father we praise you because you alone are worthy of praise from everlasting to everlasting you're god and you're sovereign you perform all things according to the counsel of your own will so we pray your prayer now, Jesus, over all that will see this or listen to it, Lord. We pray not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the wicked one. And we pray your prayer that you would knit our hearts together in such perfect love and unity. And generationally, every sphere of influence that you've given to us and beyond, that the world might know the Father has sent the Son, that your glory might cover the earth across the nations as the waters cover the sea. Lord, grant that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Making disciples and sharing Jesus with those around you can be difficult. We need help to keep our faith alive as we step out to do new things. Faith to Move Mountains, stirring our faith to believe for movements among the unreached, is a 30-day devotional that will encourage your heart and build your faith. In it, I and my co-author, Kevin Sutter, share a scripture, a story, and a challenge each day from years of frontline experience working in tough places. Like I said, making disciples can be hard, progress is often slow, and breakthroughs seem distant. This devotional will kickstart your faith for a movement of disciples in your area. Grab a copy on Amazon.com today. 
Wow, what a great interview. How amazing to get to hear Lee's story and how God has worked in his life. I loved his testimony. Wasn't that incredible of how God took this addict, this homeless man who was living under the bridges, and God brought him into his kingdom, and now he's using him as a multiplier of disciples, a movement leader among many God chooses just broken people like you and I, and he uses them for his glory. I want to give you a couple of the quick takeaways that I took from Lee's interview and things I learned. One was the power of giving a Bible to someone. How many of us have ever given a Bible to someone and just wondered, is it even of any value? Are they even ever going to open it? And how that power of giving the word of God really does have value because you never know when that person's going to hit rock bottom and open the word of God and God's going to speak to them. I also learned from Lee that if we take care of depth, God will take care of the breadth of our ministry. What a powerful lesson. Also, pour deeply into a few who are willing to obey. Go deep with a few in order to go broad with many. Uh, what an important lesson as we're discipling people. It takes a depth of relationship and pour deeply into those. Also, we talked about methods and that we should avoid and be careful of methodological idolatry, of really elevating and lifting up this method instead of lifting up Jesus. We talked about how it's upon before unto, that the Holy Spirit comes upon us before we go unto or into the world. What an important thing for us to remember. He also said we need to be disciples who are worth multiplying. Wow, what a takeaway. Are you a disciple who is worth multiplying? Is what you are, who you are in God, someone that should be multiplied and should be reproduced? I know that challenges and encourages me. I want to be the kind of disciple who's worth multiplying. We also talked about how do we collaborate with the local church, and we can collaborate with everyone everywhere at some level. Look for those common ways that you can collaborate, that you can work together in unity with local believers, with believers from traditional churches or legacy churches, even as you're pursuing that disciple multiplication vision and dream that God's placed in your heart. We talked about how disciple making is always relational before it's organizational, right? It's not the structure that matters first, it's the relationships. And about Jesus' command being to make disciples, not start groups. Now, starting groups is important, right? We need to start groups of disciples, but you might start a lot of groups, and if you're not going deep with a few people and really discipling them and pouring your life into them, you're still not fulfilling that command of Jesus. We talked about stopping doing things that Jesus didn't tell you to do. How important it is to do that start and stop exercise. What are you going to stop doing in order to do what God's really said to do? How important. I know I need to regularly do a start and stop exercise. And I'm going to be looking back at my list later today. What do I need to stop doing? Because it's not something Jesus actually told me to do. And then lastly, we need not just a going strategy, but a growing strategy. And he talked about, especially with the homeless and in some of the hard places, the power of staying where we've been welcomed for the long haul. 
as you make and multiply disciples among them. It isn't easy, but if we will stay, eventually we'll be able to see good fruit. So I hope you have a takeaway or two from this. What's your action step? I know I have some action steps that I'm going to be putting into practice. And for me, one of them is to look at what I'm doing and is it really what God's called me to do? And what do I need to stop doing to make space for those things that I know God has spoken? So God bless you guys. We'll see you in the next episode. That's all we've got for this episode of the Dare to Multiply podcast. One thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is for you to rate this show and leave a comment in iTunes, on Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you tune in to listen. Also, make sure to link up with us at dmmsfrontiermissions.com blog on social media. And please just share, share, share this podcast with anyone you think might enjoy it. Until next time, remember, God's dreams for us are always bigger than we can imagine.